Hi, everyone, and welcome to another informative episode of Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. My name is Leo, and I'll be your host today, and with me is John. Hi, everyone. Hi, John. How are you? I'm pretty good today. Another great week. Had a great episode last week. Ready for another one? Absolutely. Excellent. Well, today's discussion is all about nickel processing and how green it is or can be. Uh, plus, we're going to talk a little bit about how Canada has a unique advantage, incredible opportunity for companies to deliver, you know, battery grade metals and uh, for the EV revolution. But before we get started, let's quickly recap our previous episode. The power behind the battery. We talked about, uh, we broke down the science a little bit last week, talked about anodes and cathodes and all the various pieces and of the uh, chemistry of a battery and, you know, how it's made the composition. We got a little bit into that 811 discussion too, John. Mm-hmm. And About the energy density increasing with the amount of nickel. And what's important, and I want to stress this, is that EV batteries, battery storage, the nickel has to be in its purest form, which we refer to as class one nickel or battery grade nickel. That's the necessity in the battery revolution going forward. Right. And, uh, you know, going back to the 811-622 configurations there, uh, the last most next gen, I guess, moving forward, hopefully in the next five, 10 years, is going to be um, a battery that has eight parts nickel, one part cobalt, and half of the previous 20% uh, cobalt, which now will be that. They're actually even working one. on a 90% cathode, 90% nickel cathode. And what will that be, like a 9.5.5 or something, something along like those that. lines? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Or it'll be a 910, hopefully, right? Get the cobalt completely the, out of the equation. The important thing is it's a 9. Okay? A nine That's what we're right? talking about. 90% <laughs> yeah. nickel. And, and I want to make sure the 9 is the nickel part, right? Exactly. Okay, good. Reassuring for me. Great. As an investor, I'd like to hear that. So can we move to an electric world and still do it in an environmental and social responsible way? We talked a lot about that last week. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like our you know, segue into this week's discussion. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about laterites versus sulfides. There's two different types of nickels that come out of the ground. And uh, just to start the conversation, John, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, let me put my two cents in here. So laterites, from what I understand, are easier to mine, get it out of the ground. It's more abundant, usually in the southern or more abundant parts of the world. But it's not a class, it's it, the, to get it to class one uh, battery grade, uh, or you have to do a lot of, you know, messy stuff with it. And we'll talk about that in a sec. Yeah. So uh, the sulfide deposits seem to be more prevalent in the northern hemisphere. The laterite deposits, which are lower grades, seem to be more prevalent in so the southern. So break, break that out. Like when you say northern, like what? What are we talking? Like Canada? We Canada, know. Russia. Yeah. Okay, Canada, and I know uh, China has some as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. But when we're talking laterites, we're talking Indonesia, Philippines, Philippines. yeah, uh, Africa. I know South Africa has some as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, just mm -hmm. to clarify, a sulfide deposit is typically a much more pure deposit of nickel. Uh, It's usually contained in more of a a harder rock formation, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps referred to as maybe less erosion that has taken place over millenniums of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And typically deeper, typically Mm. deeper deposits. Sulfides. 
sulfides. Correct. Right. So harder to get to. Yeah. Whereas southern hemisphere deposits of laterite mm-hmm. are deposits that are found more in 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 near call surface them sandy or so. I don't use sandy, but you could actually extract them with a bulldozer, backhoe, and a and a, a dump truck. Right. So that, that's why that, it's cheaper to mine. Basically. It's cheaper to mine, but lower grade. Mm-hmm. which means higher processing costs. Right. So why do we like sulfide more than laterite? I you know I know the I know the answer by the way. I'm kind of leading uh you know leading the question here. But. It's my understanding that sulfide deposits and keep in mind they're much more rare. So when you have a sulfide deposit it has a tremendous amount of investment opportunity assuming the grades are decent uh and the break even costs of production are reasonable. reasonable okay? Right. So a sulfide deposit typically could be mined and processed in a more environmentally friendly manner. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. We're talking about achieving class one nickel, right. battery grade class both one nickel. Of them, both yeah. of them can be converted to class one. Yeah. But I mean, you, you could also use a laterite deposit to make uh, lower grade stainless steels and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And probably you could do so in, in a, a reasonably environmentally friendly manner. I don't know. I'm just speculating on that. Right. But again, for the purpose of this podcast, we're talking about how are we getting nickel into a battery grade class one format and sulfide deposit can achieve that potential. Right. Best. But the laterites come at an incredible cost to our, our environment. Yeah. So I, if, I think that's the point we're trying yeah, to make. Indonesia is, is building a number of different processing plants to take laterite mm-hmm. and convert it into a battery grade material but it comes with this is that h pal process exactly some acid leaching high toxic pres- high pressure acid leach h pal so the uh I, I guess the um the uh, byproduct of that process all that toxic waste whatever it has well, to be before, dealt with somehow, before you get right? to the toxic waste. The process itself, what it involves, is you know it's like building a little freaking nuclear reactor. You're you're building something that has to create a tremendous amount of heat mm-hmm. and a tremendous amount of pressure. So there's a lot of energy being a lot expelled. of energy being used, and in right. most cases, these HPAL facilities are using coal fired methods of creating, creating the energy heat and energy the pressure generation yeah. yeah which has a, tr- a large carbon footprint right right so you're creating a chamber you're heating it up you're creating a tremendous amount of pressure you're using acid and you're basically forcing these minute amounts of class one class one nickel grade. out of a lower grade mess of slurry gotcha okay? gotcha and then what you have to deal with to your point, is you have to deal with the tailings of that, which are a mixture of waste and acid and all things like that. And uh, from what I understand, they they dilute the acid-based slurry or tailings mm-hmm. with limestone powder to deactivate the acid. And then, this is the best part, in Indonesia and the Philippines, what they want to do is do something called deep sea disposal of tailings. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, you must be like mind reading, I'll tell you, because um, I've got an article here, blog, on uh, mongabay.com by Ian Morse. And the title is Indonesian Miners Eyeing EV Nickel Boom Seek to Dump Waste in the Sea. Eek. Wow. Oh, and look at that first picture. 
a beautiful little picture of Nemo swimming in a, in a yeah. sea anemone. By the way, for our audience uh, participants here, um, these uh, we're going to provide a URL link in our bio uh, for this article. And uh, what John is referring to is uh, at the top of the blog, we have a beautiful you know, uh, photographic, uh, you know, a, a, of a clownfish, clownfish and yeah. an anemone, I guess. Right. And we'll call him Nemo. We'll call him poor little Nemo. Uh, but and I, I hope our, our objective for the next little uh, segment here yeah. is we're going to call say save Nemo, okay. save Nemo. Okay. No deep sea <laughs> disposal of tailings. Right. So this is, so using laterites basically is not really good for the environment. We're expelling a whole lot of energy, usually in countries that are, you know, doing a whole lot of energy generation using coal fired or petrol burning, whatever, to create the energy to create these conditions to. Which uh, I think is pretty hypocritical, don't you? Well, it's it's kind of like not very efficient. It's not a very effective. Not, in, not if we're if it's, if it's all about environmental. Yeah. I mean, I can see. Change. Yeah, I can see from a cost perspective why it makes sense because it's cheaper, but it's not cheaper when you you know evaluate well, it's, the it's, whole it's environmental not, impact. It's not right in the cheaper uh, to achieve the battery grade material. It's actually not cheaper. It's cheaper to pull the ore. Out, out of the, the ground. ground, and there's but more to actually of it. process it is actually ah. more expensive. But in a in a an EV revolution where there will be a tremendous amount of demand yeah. for uh, battery grade materials, maybe the you know end justifies the means. Right. But again, it is a little bit hypocritical in nature, in my opinion. Take us back, like about a year ago, I heard that uh, Indonesia actually banned the export of their ore. Uh, in order to build and promote more refining and processing uh, in the country. And they're spending a couple of billion dollars on, you know, new smelters and that kind of stuff in order to Battery create, plants, right. things of that nature. So too. before they ship the ore, like they don't want to sell the ore, the laterite, directly to China and then they process it. They're trying to do it in the country. The value added, yeah. And I think this article is referring to what do they do with all the waste? And they're basically, uh, they're faced with a big problem, what to do with all the waste. So companies Well, are- what, what they are doing, though, is, mm-hmm. you know, they're quite smart in that they want to have the value added to the resource that they possess mm-hmm. benefit the country that they're in, Indonesia. Right. That being processing, battery plants, EV, uh, automobile plants. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that will lead into um, one of our future segments about um, Canada in particular, uh, and if they have the means and the wherewithal to achieve the same objective of not giving away Canadian resources, but actually dealing with the manufacturing and the add-on, added value domestically. Right. And, uh, you know, how much How much are we talking about? Like, what are they looking at dumping uh, into the ocean here? Are we talking like, you know, a few truckloads here and there? Or No, I would assume it would be a conti- continuous flow of... Uh, slurry tailing liquid like billions yeah. of tons kind of thing millions and billions well, of tons I mean, potentially I, I would assume it, it uh, it's not enough to fill a swimming it's more than enough to fill a swimming pool like put maybe it that way. many 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 swimming pools yeah. uh indonesia's uh you know they they call that region the coral triangle for a reason uh the whole you know um series of islands and archipelagos and whatever that make up the indonesian 
you know, uh, country or uh, whatnot is there's a lot of coral around there. There's a lot of marine life. And uh, mm-hmm. the concern here that this article kind of, uh, um, you know, points to is uh, all this uh, will come at a big cost to the marine life and uh, just the the whole environment around there, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not just just to that region. There's, you know, the butterfly effect, you know, it kind of, kind of trails on to – uh, trickles so, out. So to, then I'll ask you this: If you're uh, if you're pr- presenting yourself as a environmentally responsible battery manufacturer or car manufacturer or consumer buying or an consumer, electric car, why would you want to source material that hasn't been mined or processed in an environmentally responsible manner? Yeah, good point. Excellent, excellent point. And that's really like. You know the crux save of save Nemo, folks. Let's save, save Nemo. <laughs> so, so laterite processing to get a class one nickel is a dirty business. Uh, I guess that's the well. It appears at this point in time, yes. You know whether they have the ability to improve on that in the future remains to be seen. Gotcha. Let's talk. Let's move and shift gears here a little bit. Um, Canada, Canada is. Um, you know, we talked about raw materials and how it's a you know, a haven for battery metal type of raw materials and whatnot. And the type of ores or related to battery metals, like specifically nickel, like is more of a higher grade sulfide. So getting a sulfide ore to a battery metal uh, that could be used to to make batteries, um, how is that, how, how do we, you know, how does that re- relate, like how is that towards, uh you know, the concept of being environmentally friendly. Like, it's not perfect. You're going to need some energy, no, of course, again, to expel it. they're working towards, uh, you know, most mining companies uh, in Canada and in a number of other areas are working towards uh, carbon neutral mining, okay? Which, um, you know, if you're mining in uh, deeper deposits, if you're going through more dense materials like hard rocks and granites and things of that nature... Um, there's obviously going to be a lot of cost and effort into processing that material. Mm-hmm. So the vehicles that they are using, uh, they're proposing to use electric-powered vehicles. That'd be a awesome. Of, yeah, so instead of, of using diesel trucks and dump trucks and that kind of stuff, they're hoping to switch mm-hmm. to so- using solar power in the camps and whatnot with storage, batteries, Mm-hmm. Um, for 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 delivering, yeah. And know, what they would demand. do is they would take the these chunks of rock that contain nickel and copper and cobalt, and they would process those through a mill. And the mill would basically break down the rock into waste rock, which has no impurities in it. We by could the way. use that waste rock to fill in the open pit holes that we create when we pull well, up the oil, I right? suppose at the end of the day you right. could, yeah. But the, the, the pure form of powder after mm-hmm. it passes through the mill mm-hmm. would then go on to be processed in a smelter to produce... The class one uh, ingredients. Class one know. ingredients for the use in stainless steels or battery or things of that nature. To make the cathodes yeah. and all that. Um, another great article here, guys. Uh, mining.com uh, pulled out this article. Again, you can find it in our bio. Uh, we're just giving uh, credit to the... Uh, to the content creators here, Cecilia Cecilia Jamazmi wrote an article uh, just recently, a uh, few like last week, I think. Uh, Canada has right ingredients to be EV battery leader. This is incredible. Wow, this is a great opportunity. Good if you're Canadian, doesn't it? Or if you're investing in Canadian 
you know, mines. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like a great idea. So you're you're basically in investing in, let's say, next generation EV technology. And that's if you believe that's where we're going, you know, if the whole world is moving to a, you know, transportation and car EV type of scenario, um, and these batteries are going to need nickel, I'd rather be supporting it's, the nickel sulfide yeah, than it's the nickel be about, outright. It's going to be, because there's going to be increased demand, it's going to have a lot to do with new deposits. And new deposits are typically owned or being worked on by junior mining companies. So there could be an opportunity to look at some of the junior uh, mining companies that are involved in battery materials, battery metals mm -hmm. in Canada. Great. And you know what? So Canada's rich in what? Lithium, graphite, nickel, cobalt, aluminum, all of the above. Manganese, copper. Manganese. Yeah. We got great labor laws. So, you know, we treat our workers properly, good health and safety R uh, rules and regulations. Responsibility when it comes to uh, dealing with First Nations and things of that nature. Right. I was going to say indigenous yeah. peoples, you yeah. know, have we have decent treaties and agreements with them. As yeah. a matter of well, fact, it's mandatory for mandatory. any mining company to deal with uh, First Nations. Right. So that's a key thing. When I'm, I'm looking at uh, opportunities as an investor, I want to make sure we can check off those kind of boxes, right? Yeah. So uh, investing in Canadian opportunities would come with uh, a lot more social responsibility than if you potentially are looking at some uh, opportunities in areas of the world where they could be problematic. We talked in our previous episode about the Congo mm -hmm. and areas like that. So This article is also referring, like, for lithium-ion batteries, is expected to exceed $100 billion by 2030. So we're talking about quite a big... Uh, you know, market, industry market opportunity here. Uh, it, it's, I mean, the numbers are mind boggling and, and that's only to 2030. And I mean, 2030 is not in the, like within a decade, basically, right? So that's quite interesting. And I, if I'm not mistaken, that is only taking into consideration the EV segment of the market. Um, mm -hmm. You know, stationary storage is going to be a big consumer of battery metals as well, mm -hmm. as well as um, home um, energy, uh, you know, Tesla's Powerwall, things of that nature. Where right. You know, All the storage. Yeah. yeah. That's a for whole domestic use. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole different. Uh, yeah. Because if I'm going to solar panel my home, I definitely want a Powerwall or some kind of a storage battery mm -hmm. because I'm not going to be able to generate electricity 24 hours a day i got to use and, and, and in right. ontario and canada here we have what's called time of use so my my usage during the day is a lot more expensive per kilowatt hour than it is in the middle of the night so if i can have my battery you know while the sun's out you know collect the the solar stuff and then Anyway, my whole point here is that you can collect as much sun as you want and create as much electricity out of it. But if you don't have a way to store it to be able to use at the time when you need it at the most cost effective moment, it just doesn't make sense. So there has to be a good mix of storage capabilities. Um, I want to quickly just uh, flip over to another part of the article here. It says currently 80% of the world's batteries are produced in Japan, South Korea and China. Why? What's up with that? How come the United States isn't there, and how well, come Canada because, isn't there? You know, China, or Europe. China's a decade ahead of North America for a lot of reasons. They've managed to corner the market on a lot of battery materials. 
They've started building uh, their their facilities, their infrastructure uh, way before North America has. But North America has the ability to catch up. And there are currently a number of projects in Canada and in the United States. No, that are projects, battery plants, cathode plants that are all slated for development. And, um, you know, within the next three, four years, I would have to say that uh, domestic supply in North America will uh, meet demand. How about the uh, incentive side, government subsidies, that sort of thing? Everyone's uh, stepping up to the game. I know Biden, you know, his his administration is big on, you know, they, they got this big infrastructure bill. I don't know. I don't know how much it is these days. It started at $2 billion, $3 billion. Yeah. I think it's been trickled down to about one and a half. But a big chunk of that is going to be uh, putting money aside to subsidize or give incentives for people to convert to electric vehicles and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. I don't know what the numbers are. Yeah, they also have a bill that they're putting in front of um, the House and Senate, uh, whereby I believe they have an incentive of uh, purchasing an EV. It's somewhere close to twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Oh, the, so, uh, the 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 kickback, the rebate, yeah, twelve thousand five hundred. Yeah, you. Uh, that would be. I read that today huge as well. Boost to demand. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So, beefing up U.S. and Canada battery supply chains is one of the best way experts are saying that you know we can really step up and Canada can be a big part of this, which is yeah, great. And those wheels are in motion for sure. Well, it totally makes sense. And you know, Canada geographically, we talk about some. You know, when we're talking about supply chains and getting the material to, uh, you know, the right manufacturing partners there, having EV battery plants in the U.S. And ores being mined in Canada makes total sense. And if we can ship those, hey, it would be great if we can ship those with uh, Tesla, uh, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> according to a transport and again, uh, I, trucks, I, I, I and don't have electric. the name of the article, but Biden is looking to source battery materials amongst their allies, Canada, Brazil. Australia, all in the name of national interest, and that then, and then taking a, that product, no, but taking those products domestically and processing them and doing the value added domestically. So the battery plants, the car manufacturing plants, would create domestic employment. Unions would get involved. So it's more about adding jobs, adding to the workforce, than being worried about exploring for battery grade materials and upsetting environmentalists like in Minnesota and places like that. So I don't think they want to rely on using like uh, the traditional Asian, you know, supply chain routes as well. And and battery materials don't travel well. They don't travel. They're very costly. So you're you're better to source your battery supply chain domestically within the continent that you live on. Right. So, you know, there's a big semi uh, chip conductor uh, shortfall these days. Uh, We're waiting for a lot of manufacturing plants have to slow down their car production uh, Mm -hmm. assembly lines because we don't have enough chips out there. And they're all coming from Taiwan and Asia and all that kind of stuff. So it's not just about batteries and battery metals. It's a whole shift in thinking about making things, uh, making things made in USA, made in Canada, made in North America, let's say. Well, where where Canada stands to benefit when it comes to battery Materials is you know we're again we're we're the largest trading partner with the United States. Who's the largest the, economy? The longest undefended border on the planet. So it would make sense for the United States to source their battery materials in Canada. 
Well, on that note, we're just about out of time. We're ready to go into our spotlight section. And uh, our spotlight every week, guys, is where we kind of showcase an article or maybe we can answer some questions. So, hey, just so that everybody knows, you know, you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram. Our handle is GreenNickel101. If you have any questions, you'd like to give us your feedback or opinion, or if you'd like to correct us on anything we said, we'd love to hear back from you. But this week, our spotlight will go to... An article here, another one. And again, this will be in the bio, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this one's from uh, proactiveinvestors.com. Uh, this is an article from Tardison Nickel Corp. This week's spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is advancing its high-grade nickel sulfide project in Ontario. Class 1 nickel, an essential component in battery production. The Kenbridge Nickel Deposit is heading toward a production decision. Expanding a resource in an environmentally safe and efficient way. Tardison Nickel. TN on the CSE. So Tardison Nickel believes that the Kenbridge Project, which happens to be in southern Ontario. Northern Canada, Ontario. Northern here. Ontario, sorry. Kenora. Kenora. And this project could shape up to answer potential near-term nickel supply deficits. Um, just want to spend a few minutes to talk about this, John. So... I would point out here, you know, in keeping with our conversation about laterites versus sulfides, mm -hmm. the Kenbridge deposit is a sulfide deposit. And, you know, if you're out there and you're doing your due diligence and you're looking at different investment opportunities in North America, I would say that certainly when it comes to nickel, if you're looking at a sulfide deposit, and there's a number of them, there's there's um, Canada nickel, there's Noront, there's Tartizan nickel, in the States, there's Talon metals. These are predominantly sulfide deposits. And I mean, I would I would think, again, do your due diligence, but I would think that you might have more upward potential with a sulfide deposit, which are prevalent mm -hmm. in the Northern Hemisphere, than speculating and looking at some of the uh, opportunities that are more along the lines of laterites in the uh, Southern Hemisphere, Philippines, and all these other areas. Well. Thanks for adding that. Feel free to read through the article. We're not going to uh, be able to go through the whole thing, but uh, basically uh, just to, you know, rehash where Tardison's basically stepping up saying, hey, I think we got all the right ingredients. We can help with the supply deficit and Kenbridge can be a big part of that. So um, feel free to read through that. And um, so basically uh, we're about to wrap up here, John. This is pretty much uh, another uh, close to a great uh, episode here. We've reached the end of this week's discussion. So we hope everybody liked it. We sure enjoyed uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Leo. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, thanks for joining us. And we hope to see you next week. And we discuss deep ocean mining and some other stuff. So don't mess it. That's going to be a really decent one. Uh, let us know what's on your mind. You can find us again on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is greennickel101. And listen, we'll answer your questions. So be vocal, like our type away, you know, let us know what questions you have. If you like to give us your opinions or feedback, uh, we'll be sure to uh, maybe showcase them in the next spotlight. So remember, we upload new episodes every single Monday. And until next time, think nickel and have a green day. Bye, everyone. And remember, save Nemo. <laughs> Tardis and Nickel traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange symbol TN or over the counter. Symbol TTSRF.